This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 476 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. And today we have an awesome good neighbor. It's Pastor Chris Serber. He is with First Congregational Church of Naples. Pastor Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to be here with you. Now, thrilled to have you and certainly looking forward to, to hearing about wonderful things you guys are doing in the community. I, I know firsthand from just having a conversation with you and spending once a week using your services there, not the church services, but other services, because you offer all kinds of uh, cool things, if I can say that's a cool thing. Yeah. Can I say that? You were at our meeting, oh, right? Absolutely. That's yeah, cool that's thing. right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, Pastor Chris, tell us about First Congregational Church of Naples. So First Congregational Church is a historically congregational church, and maybe I'll get into what that means exactly, but in the shortest way of describing it, it's the Church of the Pilgrims. Uh, that is the Pilgrim uh, Mayflower Pilgrims. They brought the congregational way to this new world, and essentially that is uh, the original non-denominational church. There's a lot more to it, and I'm a bit of a church historian, so I could bore people for a long time about what that means. Uh, But essentially, out of the Reformation, the Great Reformation uh, in the 15 and 1600s, congregational as a way developed out of England as a way of getting back to what could best be described as a simple way of following Jesus uh, within the context of a community of like-minded followers of Jesus. So First Congregational Church is a fairly young church. Uh, It was planted only about 17 years ago uh, by an older gentleman who uh, he and his wife had previously served a church in Naples. His name is uh, Les Wicker. He's now retired. And he came and his wife and they planted the church out of a school. And within just a few short years, they were blessed with a number of people who believed in the mission and vision that they had for this church. And so about 12 years ago, they purchased and began building the property on Immokalee. And the church uh, continued to grow and thrives today. So I'm only the second pastor of this church. And the church is, uh, you know, living in ways consistent with that heritage, that non-denominational gathering of uh, uh, people who want to open the Bible, have a heart filled with the Holy Spirit, love for one another, love for the community, love for the world. And then in a kind of simple way, learn about Jesus and then, let's say, mimic him in the world is, 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 would be a fair understanding. Wow. Wow. What, what a message. You are a great deliverer and uh, a teacher, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I, I like to think I am, but uh, I work on it hard <laughs> to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think uh, really kind of inherent to our way of doing church is this idea that everyone brings their particular gift into the yeah. meeting house and uh you know god uses me to teach and preach and and whatever and then each one of us has has gifts differing yep yep well how about your journey pastor chris tell us a little bit about how you ended up at the church here well i tell you what it's a winding road that led <laughs> right here so i am originally from california and as a very young man, I knew only one thing, I wanted to be a Marine. So I became a Marine. I spent eight years on active duty in the Marine Corps. 
And I had always sensed, a, since I was about 17, sensed a strong call to the pastoral ministry. But I was frankly terrified by it. I thought, oh, no, that's for somebody else, somebody more perfect than me. And uh, so I kind of, kind of, you know, steered away from it. Well, then while I was on active duty uh, with intentions perhaps to retire from the Marine Corps uh, before pursuing ministry, it was a good way to kick that can down the road. I met a retired preacher named Bill Ellerman. And when I asked him for his advice, he said, oh, I'll give, I'll give you one better than my advice. You're coming with me to the retirement community this Sunday and you're preaching. And I was a young Marine sergeant. He was wow. such a nice old guy. There was no way I was going to say no to Bill. <laughs> and so he was just too nice. And so, so I did. And now I'd only been in the Marine Corps about five years when he did this, maybe, maybe going on. Yeah. About five years. And uh, anyway, after I, I started doing these chapels, these retirement community and nursing home chapels with him, I felt such a strong conviction to pursue the ministry that I started going in that direction. So I finished my time in the Marines. I spent a couple of years in the Army National Guard uh, on my way transitioning into seminary. And then uh, about 2005, I began at a church in Dunedin, Florida, the Kirk of Dunedin. Uh, an old Scottish church, and uh, they gave me an opportunity to serve as like a family pastor. So I did some time there, and then, you know, I, I very accidentally came into congregational churches, mostly because I didn't know what they were, like a lot of people. I didn't know yeah. what they were, and they looked yeah. to me to be non-denominational churches, which essentially we are. So I ended up pastoring a church in Michigan, and then a church in Illinois, and then my family and I spent uh, about seven years total in Virginia between two churches with a year in between living in Haiti, where we established our ministry there. That's called Supply and Multiply. While living in Haiti, we established this work wow. that focuses primarily on elderly care, although we do a lot of other activities. And uh, so then after living in Haiti, I came back to Virginia and I ended up going back to Michigan where I intended to stay until I was ready to come back to Florida. There aren't a lot of congregational churches of our type in Florida. So I said, okay, someday when I'm an older guy, I'll come back to Florida. My wife's from Florida. We have family here, short flights to Haiti. I mean, for every possible reason, I want to be in Florida. But uh, anyway, my wife said, hey, I know we haven't been in Michigan as long as you planned, but I saw that there's a congregational church looking for a pastor in Naples. Now, I didn't know anything about Naples. I did a couple of Google searches. I said, I don't know if I can live in Naples. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that that, that any congregational church uh, could afford to have a pastor in Naples. Well, it turns out that, uh, in fact, uh, the church is packed with generous people, and uh, they, they, they uh, were ready to have a full-time pastor. They've been successful in having a debt-free building, and they've done everything really smart along the way. Mm. And um, yeah, so I, I applied to be considered for this church. And uh, frankly, I kept thinking every time we came to visit, ah, oh, they're never going to call me Naples. It's too good to be true. How could I possibly go from Detroit area in Michigan to Naples, Florida? Wow. Well, then when they extended the call, you know, I have five kids, four natural and one adopted Haitian girl. And uh, one of my sons said, I don't want to leave Detroit. I got a lot of friends here. I said, yeah, I understand that. But right on the precipice of a South uh, Eastern Michigan winter, shouldn't we say yes to a South West <laughs> Florida winter? So we all agreed, and here we are. Oh, man. Love it. Love it. Jeez. 
quite a journey and uh, your yeah. marine background is, is amazing. What part of California did you grow up in? So I grew up in Modesto, California, which uh -huh. is uh, North Central. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Cal North Central California. Spent a couple of years in Butte, Montana when I was uh, uh, in high school. Uh, but mostly, and most of my family are from uh, Modesto or Bakersfield, uh, yeah. all up and down the all up and down the California Central Valley, really. Very cool. How about when it comes to the church? Uh, mis misconceptions that you hear that you can talk about? Yeah, you know. So generally speaking, there are a lot of I think um, misconceptions about church in general. I think there's too many caricatures out there uh and so but you know generally speaking there's a lot of things you could talk about but specific to our church or churches like our church uh there are a lot of folks who don't know what a congregational church is i mean time and again uh people say oh you're pastor of first congressional church which i always laugh at because uh you know it, it's, 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 i mean it's more than half of the people say it will say it that way then someone told me not long ago oh what are you the pastor of first conversational church i'm like man, <laughs> that's great so the, the 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 strange thing about it is congregational is it has become largely obscure because we're not a majority church movement in america but the yeah. interesting thing is we were so these these were the churches of the pilgrims of the early americas uh and and then for a number of reasons the movement had part a big chunk of the movement got taken away into one gigantic denomination. But remember, these were always supposed to be non-denominational churches. And, and then a number of the churches, they just sort of dropped the name because people didn't understand what they were. But for some of us who keep the name, it's like the whole idea is we are a people of the book. That's the, the thing that I wish more people understood. There, there is a huge segment of our churches, uh, historically speaking, no longer connected, but historically speaking, that have been sort of consumed by politics, mostly in a very progressive, uh, liberal way, and, and and I think that's unfortunate. And then there are there are a few of our churches, far fewer, who are very concerned in a in a much more conservative political way. Well, the association that we're a part of and the identity of First Congregational Church is like this is a place for every person. This isn't about political agenda. This isn't about anything like that. Like here, we're talking about finding healing and hope that transcends the day-to-day, -day, uh, let's say, distractions and dilemmas and even the mundanity of life in this, you know, overly politicized world. So the myth that I would love to clear up about us and churches like ours is this is a this is legitimately a place for everybody. This is a place for anybody who wants to understand Jesus better. Who wants to be surrounded by a community of people who are trying to mimic Jesus in the world? You know, we see the Christian life. I say it this way a lot. That uh, it's which seems ironic for a guy with his. You know, I have more degrees than a thermostat, but I would still say it this way: that the 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 Christian life is it's not it's not a white collar academic pursuit. These aren't just ideas. It's a lived expression. So mm -hmm. this is a vocational reality. You know, where we're following Jesus as disciples and then just trying to mimic him in the world with a kind of radical love, a radical grace. We're searching for truth where we find it as is expressed in the word of God in the Bible. We stand on it and we embrace the world with grace and truth and love. So it's like, you know, there's this big myth that that uh, uh, for a Christian, you've got to either be, as one friend of mine asked me not terribly long ago, 
well, isn't can't you don't you only have to be conservative or liberal? I said, no, I don't think I have to be either of those things. I'm just following Jesus. And where I see him act in a certain way, I'm going to try to mimic that. And where I see him, you know, express truth in a certain way, then I'm going to try to understand that. But, you know, really our church, and I think this applies to a lot of churches, um, you know, it's it's a lived expression. And if it, you know, people say, well, you know, you can only be this way or that. I don't I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's like strapping on your sandals and picking up your walking stick and following after the master of mercy and then just imitating him. So for us, part of the reason we hang on to that Church of the Pilgrims thing, the 1620 thing, the we keep the name congregational is because we see ourselves as modern day pilgrims, not yet having yet arrived. Uh, our home is heaven. And while we're passing through this earth, we got to be careful not to become too attached or obsessed with the politics um you know the the interplay of this world yeah great great message wow powerful thank you for sharing that yeah absolutely yeah about outside of uh, the church what are you doing for fun my goodness five kids you must have a lot of fun <laughs> yeah so i you know it's funny people um Gosh, I, you know, I wish I did more for fun. I, I, so my, my hobby, I always joke that we're so fully invested into life of ministry. My hobby is running a mission organization in Haiti. So because that takes up a lot of time. But, yeah. but when we do go on vacation or when we're doing fun stuff, we check out completely. So like our, because we don't do it often enough. So our number one thing is Disney World. We've been doing that for ever since, you know, when I met my wife, she grew up in Florida and just loved Disney World. Me, I grew up in North Central California. A perfect vacation for me is going up to the mountains, going fishing. So she had to drag me to Disney World. And then after <laughs> the fourth time, I realized she had finally won me over when one evening, as the fireworks are going off over the castle, I felt this strange wet substance coming out of my eye. And it was like one of those, you know, Disney songs, like dream the impossible dream or whatever. And I'm crying and I'm like, oh gosh, they won me over. I'm a Disney fan. So we, we like the amusement parks. This year we've been doing the uh, Universal and we do like one a year and then and then just play it out, you know. Uh, yeah. And we, we like to fish. We Since living down here, in fact, um, we've been catching more fish than ever. Uh, I found that anywhere it's wet in southwest Florida, you can pretty much catch a fish. <laughs> so, yeah, me and my son go fishing, you know, and then we just, just whatever our kids are into, that's what we mostly yeah. do. Yeah. So I, I always ask when it comes to fishing, your your best fish story, the big oh, one that got away. What is it? The big one that got away. I tell you what. So my my, my best fish story is for is from my kids. So two of my yeah. sons uh, in Haiti, we when we have mission teams in Haiti, one of the activities we'll set aside for them is they'll bless a Haitian fisherman. They'll go out on the ocean in a boat that, frankly, I wouldn't want to take in one of these canals around here. And, uh, and so they'll go out on the ocean. In a, in a, essentially, they call it a bois fouillé, a dugout canoe. They'll go out in the ocean and they'll fish for those gigantic sailfish. And uh, my oh. sons have caught those fish, and uh, unbelievable. And the Haitian fishermen, they they they'll tie a fishing line and a hook to like a big like Clorox empty Clorox jug or a milk jug, and yeah. they'll they'll set them all out, and then they'll go back. And once they see one bobbing or taken right. off. By hand, they pull them in. So my two of my sons have helped. Wow. I have a picture of it. They helped catch about a six and a half foot 
sailfish. Um, I think I'm saying it right. I always don't know if it's the swordfish or the sailfish, but it's got the oh, yeah. tail. Yeah. And uh, so, so, and they brought it in, and I thought, oh wow. So I took a picture with it as if it, I caught it too. But, uh, <laughs> in fact, it was a Haitian fisherman we knew, and they went out and yeah. So around yeah. here, like uh, you know, we're catching cichlid and a, a couple oh. of cats here and there, but. Yeah, so my sons have better fishing stories than me. That is quite a story. Jeez, I love it. How about when it comes to hardships, adversity, life challenges, what comes to mind, Pastor Chris, the time that you're able to uh, get through that challenging period of time and now you look back and say, hey, we're blessed for it. It was a good thing. We're stronger. Yeah, so I'll tell you, one of the things that I that's been really central to me um, my doctoral work I did in the area of human suffering and the sovereignty of God. And I decided I, I had to, to choose the topic for my doctor of ministry degree. Uh, this, is back, this is several years ago. And I had to choose the, t- the title for the topic and not just the title, but the purpose of it. Uh, yeah. And I had it was coming due and I had to, and I had I was struggling with it. And one weekend I had a close friends. I was pastoring the church in Illinois and had good friends who they had a uh, their daughter had a baby that was essentially stillborn, uh, and we did the, the we did the memorial service for the baby on a Saturday morning. Then later that same day, uh, people from the same church, I officiated a wedding for their cousins. Okay, so so the one cousin we're doing the baby's funeral, then the wedding, then the very next day at church on Sunday we did a baby dedication for close friends. Okay, so at the end of that weekend, I said. I've got to figure out what is happening. I've got to have better answers for this for myself even. And so I began digging and what I came up with, uh, I'm not going to say that I've definitively answered the question with regard to the sovereignty of God and the suffering of man. However, what I have come up with is this, God gives us community uh, so that we can share these experiences. Jesus said, mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve. And our presence in lived community it occurs to me that that is by and far and away more significant than any philosophical or theological or even psychological answers that I could offer. So out of that doctoral program, I wrote a curriculum called the Sacrament of Suffering. And it's a course, it's a six to seven week small group study for grief share. And uh, I'll offer it for the first time at First Congregational Church. I'll offer it this fall And then probably again next year, one of the things I'm discovering is, you know, on the surface, a community like Naples, you know, it looks so well put together. And and, and certainly it is. There's a lot of fabulous business leaders and just amazing people that live here. However, it doesn't matter how how thick of a veneer your your, you know, relative success in the world is. We all have the same problems one layer in. We all suffer loss. We all have disappointment. We all have discouragement, depression. Things are taken away from us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm finding the longer I'm here that there is a huge need for people to be in community uh, and not isolated with their pain. So for me, I, I mean, I could you know go on at length. I mean, my, my doctoral project has a bibliography of several hundred books on this one topic. But at the end of the day, the sharp point of the spear, as it were, uh, is something like God made us for community. And to the extent that we remove ourselves from authentic community where we bear one another's burdens. They have a proverb in Haiti. Uh, 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 Many hands makes the load light. 
And it's like, yeah, that's exactly right. We, we're, we're designed and created to be carrying one another's burdens, you know, or in the Marine Corps, right? We don't leave anybody behind. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so whether it's, uh, I, I think it's best expressed in Christian community. Uh, however, any community that is reflecting that reality, I think is doing something like honoring God in so much as we're created not to be alone. Pastor Chris, you are, uh, I, I mean, I'm just, just sitting here drinking it all in. Uh, <laughs> such such great information. Uh, how about one thing you wish our listeners knew about your church? What comes to mind? What would that be? Oh, I, you know, I just hope they would know. I mean, when you drive by, uh, one thing you'd see in that church, it's, just, it's beautiful. It looks like it was teleported from New England. Uh, so yeah. I've, yeah. Had, I've had a few folks... Uh, you know, say to me, oh, I wasn't sure if I could go there. Like, like somehow, uh, somehow it was too nice. It's too palatial. Uh, I hope they would know that's not the case. Everybody's welcome at First Congregational Church. Such great people. Um, you know, it's just a, it, there's a really authentically, like sometimes a church is friendly. Okay, that's fine. Uh, however, I'm reminded of, of um, uh, what one old time preacher said. He said, people aren't looking for friendly churches. They're looking for friends. And I think mm-hmm. that at First Congregational Church, you, you really do experience that. These are people who, you know, a lot of folks are retired here from different places. We got some we have some young families. Uh, we have a Spanish speaking service uh, in, in uh, after the English speaking service about an hour later. So we've got and, and we've, we have a combined youth group from the Spanish and English speaking services. So we've got a really robust and dynamic uh, community yeah. that's not that's not ubiquitous at all. There's a lot of different kinds of people there. Wow. Well, I know we have listeners who want to learn more, want to get involved. What's the best way for them to get in touch? Oh, for sure. So they could go to uh, NaplesFLChurch.com. And uh, we recently rebuilt the website. So there's lots of information that's being added. If you click on the blog link, I, I update, I make little vlogs uh, little yeah. videos and things pretty routinely. Uh, they, could, they could look me up on Facebook, Chris Serber, C-H-R-I-S-S-U-R-B-E-R. Um, or just Google the church and you'll find me. Um, there's a number of things I've written online and my Facebook page. I, I'm, you know, not this week because I've been on, under the weather a little bit, but normally, normally I've got a lot of content on there regularly. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of which, kudos to you. I know for for our listeners, Pastor Chris is big time under the weather, but uh, he uh, he still felt important to get his message out there and came on. Uh, we go go get better. Go get some sleep. I'm going to. Oh boy. <laughs> and I uh, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. God bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.